Looking for trusted financial advice to help you weather the rough markets? Find your True North. On the Vantage Point with True North Wealth Partners podcast, you'll find financial tips, insights, and information to help you plan for your future. True North Wealth Partners has locations in Dublin and Wooster, Ohio, while serving clients nationwide. Dedicated to God, country, clients, and family. To learn more about the Vantage Point with True North Wealth Partners podcast, visit MyTrueNorthWP.com. That's MyTrueNorthWP.com. True North Wealth Partners. Welcome home. Experience the joy of watching your friends and family's faces light up when you feed them wild game you harvested and made them delicious sausages or meat you barbecue and grill with the finest seasonings available. Visit our friends at Waltons.com to find everything you need to turn wild game into tasty meat snacks or spice up your barbecue with new flavors and seasonings. With over 500 seasonings to choose from, there's something that everyone will love. They even have step-by-step videos and how-to articles at Meatistics to help you go from animal to edible. Use coupon RANGERS15 at checkout to save 15% on your first order at Waltons.com. Waltons, everything but the meat. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter and C.J. Berryman. Welcome to the Ranger Report, everybody. I am Ben Dieter. You can find me at bdieter75 on Twitter. I'm C.J. Berryman. You can find me at C.J.B. underscore R.R. And our guest today is Chris Halleck from Sports Illustrated's Inside the Rangers. And uh, where can we find you at Twitter, Chris? Uh, at Chris Halleck, C-H-R-A-S-H-A-L-I-C-K-E. Fantastic. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on tonight. Yeah, so we, thanks for being here, bud. We got some stuff to talk about tonight. The Rangers are in September, and they're going nowhere. So it's one of those weird, weird years going on now. How do you think the Rangers are going to get work for all the starters they have right now? Because you've got Lyles, you've got Fulton Evich, you've got... Otto, you've got, you know, uh, Taylor Hearn, you've got Dane Dunning coming back. How are they going to work all these guys in over the last couple of weeks of the season? Well, a lot of the a lot of the pitchers are going to have to be restricted in some sort of way because, you know, they 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 were shut down because of the, you know, the guys like Fulton Evich and, and, and Dunning and, and Howard and all those guys there. Um, they, you know, when they're shut down like that, they're not going to be able to, to go back, especially with such a short amount of time until the end of the season. Um, going back up to where they were is uh, just not going to happen. So not really the only guys left who can really eat innings are Jordan Lyles and maybe even Taylor Hearn because he can kind of go near 90 pitches. So if he's efficient with his pitches, he can go six innings. Um, that's, that's pretty much it, just about everybody else, whether it be the young guys or – uh, some of the established guys like Fulton Evich or Dunning, like they're not going to be able, be able to go as deep into games. So um, it's going to be kind of you might see some tandems. Uh, Chris Woodward mentioned something like that. You could see Fulton Evich actually uh, being the second guy in a tandem. Uh, you know, there's only 29 games left, so uh, only so many innings still left to eat. But uh, that's kind of going to be the balancing act because, you know, the exciting guys like A.J. Alexi and Glenn Otto, like, Again, those guys are going to be on limits. They're probably not going to go any more than about five innings unless they're just 
only getting seven, eight pitches every inning, but obviously we know that's not going to happen. So um, you get five innings out of those guys. That's going to be good. And so um, they'll, they'll figure out something. And if it looks like those guys are going to be able to eat innings and maybe you see a late season DFA of one of the veteran guys, but I, I wouldn't expect that. I would just expect that they keep everybody around and um, just try to do some tandem rolls and things like that to, to fill the innings until the end of the season. Yeah, that kind of answers the next question I was going to ask. And with all the names, yeah, the, obviously there's going to have to be some pitch limits and some tandems going on, but you're you're going to need some guys to eat some innings, and that's where Jordan Lyles and Fultonevich come in. Hopefully Fultonevich maybe can get back up to that. But do you see them both making it through September on the roster? Because of the COVID situation, I would say yes. Um, even though it looks like the the spread or the breakout um, has has concluded, and you know, let's knock on wood on that one. But um, you know, especially if there's another outbreak or there's more guys that have that go down because of it, uh, they're going to need guys who can who can pitch innings. Um, but even even if there isn't anybody, like I said, you know, Dane Dunning isn't going to be able to flirt with 80 pitches, you know, again, Spencer Howard is probably not going to be able to do any more than about what Kohei Arahara did uh, yesterday. Arahara is not going to be able to be built up um, very much uh, with, you know, if there were two or three months left in the season, it's a different story um, with only a month left. Uh, there's not enough time for these guys to truly get built back up. So, um it's just the way it is, uh, unfortunately. But uh, um, so no, I, I don't think uh, Lyles especially. I mean, these guys would have to be like really, really, really bad. Um, and, and Lyles has even not had you know some great, some very good outings, uh, obviously. So, but no, I, I if I'm betting right now, I'd say they're they're both on the roster at the end of the season, and uh, they at least still have more control over Fulton Evich and Lyles. I mean, his contract expires anyway, so uh, really no no point in doing anything. At least get your use out of him, and then you know part ways after that. That that sounds about right, and I was wondering that with him being, I guess they'll they'll finish him out like you said. They really need him to eat some innings. So now I know they're also testing out guys in the field. Uh, do you think, from what you've heard, is Nathaniel Lowe the guy of the future? Or are they still iffy on him, or do you think he's done enough to earn that spot, or is he going to have to fight for it again next year? I, I think he's done enough to earn another crack at it. He's he's hit enough to, for there to be intrigue. And I, the, the defense is concerning because obviously if he were, you know, had an eight or 900 OPS, then you can live with the defense. If he has an OPS of 720, 730, then you need him to play better defense in order for him to stick around. Um, it, it's definitely interesting uh, to, to see where it's going to go. I do think that that low gets probably a, a little bit, kind of like a similar leash that Ronald Guzman had uh, initially uh, when he kept getting chances um, to see if things develop there. And he's kind of turned a corner here recently. So that's, that's good too, um, to see if that, you know, possibly works out. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him the guy just yet. Uh, it, it is just year one of uh, six years of control. So um, yeah. I, I would say, I would say he, I don't want to call him the guy, but he definitely deserves another crack at at least trying to earn 
uh, at bats or maybe even like, you know, okay, maybe you can be the guy next year too. If you, you know, have a good off season, come in and have a good spring, uh, show some improvement in some areas and then probably take another step forward. Cause that's, that's what honestly the Rangers were expecting from Ronald Guzman and just that step forward never happened. Same thing with Nomar Mazzara. So, um, I think that's just kind of the same thing. They just need to see what happens with low. Yeah. I think he's staying on low for just a minute. I think he's done enough offensively to, to, to get a crack at it too, but he does have the rest of this year and next year to really clean up the defense because this, especially after games like the other day with the three errors in one inning, I mean, it's, he's one of the lowest rated as far as defensive runs saved in the league and might be the lowest after yesterday. I have not looked yet, but that's, that's just something to keep an eye on, I guess. And, and I, you'd imagine he'd get a lot more work in the offseason moving forward, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, he, he's going to have to have more more work done, uh, you know, defensively. He's going to have to uh, t- he's going to have to improve in some form or fashion, just because. Yeah, that, that defensively, unless he just starts slugging like crazy and he's uh, turning in, and, and at that, then at that point, you can at least go, okay, we have our DH. You know, uh, it's it's a situation like that. Um, where if he has like a 900 OPS, 950, OPS, we're talking, I mean, that's obviously shooting for the, that, that's an all-star caliber player, um, which th- I think that talent level is there. He just needs to be able to tap into it, uh, be able to hit the ball in the air a little bit more often. That's been his, his problem is not hitting the ball hard. He just hits the ball on the ground way too often. Um, <clears throat> you know, hit the ball in the air more often, hit more line drives. Uh, you get the ball in the air more often. You're going to see home runs like he hit the other day where he goes opposite field, uh, hard liner into, into the, seats in left field uh he hits like that um yeah you're looking at a guy who can find a place on the ro- they'll they'll make room on the roster for him but if he's a guy that's kind of like right at that league average slightly above league average ops almost kind of like a mitch moreland type situation you're gonna have to be able to turn in really good defense which mitch moreland obviously did uh winning a gold glove at first base so uh you know i don't think nate Lowe will ever be a gold glove winning first baseman but if he can become a you know a one-win defensive player there okay you know then maybe you can live with a 750 to 780 ops maybe flirts with 800 every you know every other year or something like that but um th- that's kind of where i see low at right now but obviously the talent level's there we'll see if you can tap into it all right, and with that, we'll spin over to shortstop. And Isaiah kind of for left, but there's a lot of talk, obviously, about offseason signings and two guys that uh, I'll bring up in just a minute. But first, has has IKF, has he, has he kind of rebounded off that midseason struggle that he had defensively and made it made it at least a race for the gold glove at shortstop? And what, what, what do you think happens in the offseason at short? You've mentioned Carlos Correa, and I know that's going to make Rangers fans cringe, but that's also, that's a possibility. I mean, and you, and you bring, bring up a good argument for it, and, if, and if, if you wrote about it and you've talked about it. And also, obviously, Trevor's story, uh, that's become a hot topic recently. So just kind of give us your observations as far as the shortstop position goes and if IKF – is he is maybe the guy moving forward and maybe has done enough to win the gold glove this year or at least make it a race? I, I think Connor Falefa will, will have definitely has definitely done enough to to at least be a finalist defensively. I, I would I would be a little surprised if he's not even a finalist. Uh is he the outright favorite? Uh, that's that's debatable, but a finalist, I think he can at least be that. Uh, offensively, it's funny because you know, kind of has talked. You know, whenever he was playing third base last year, he you know 
tried to make some changes offensively so that he kind of competed with like the other third baseman in the league. You know, you look at the Anthony Rendon's and the Josh Donaldson's and like the other really, really good third baseman in the league. Um, and they are, you know, the Nolan Arenado's, you know, what, whether they play really good defense or not, they usually hit. And so he was kind of trying to compete with that. And uh, it just wasn't, that's not who he is. And so he kind of, he went into the season, you know, with a, with a chip on his shoulder and he had a, a really good attitude and got off to a really good start offensively. And then he kind of fell into that same trap. And he was, he was kind of talking about that here recently of, not trying to be, he, he wasn't being himself anymore. And so the Rangers, you know, Louis Ortiz and, and, and the hitting coaches really worked with them and said, listen, just be yourself. Like do the things that you do really well and completely buy into that process. And that's pretty much what's happened. That's why you're, you're not seeing counter Fleva put the ball over the fence right now, but you're seeing a lot of singles being slapped the other way. Uh, you're seeing hard line drives being pulled down the left field line, uh, the occasional ball into the gap. Uh, you're seeing hard, low liners, you know, or really, really hard ground balls. Um, you know, that, that's just what, that's the type of hitter that he's going to be. He's going to be a guy who hits between three and five home runs a year. Um, and can give you really, really, really good defense. Um, now when it comes to what the Rangers could add, whether it is a Correa, a story, uh, Seager or Baez, if they can add one of those guys, uh, especially if it's like a Correa or a story, uh, you might have to consider asking Kiner Falefa to move positions, especially if he does not win a gold glove. If he wins a gold glove, he's obviously, obviously ha- he obviously has all of the, uh, the arguments he needs to be able to stay put. Um, but even that being said, Michael Young moved from shortstop to third base the year after he won a gold glove. So, um, just because you want a gold glove doesn't mean the Rangers won't ask you to change positions. And especially if it means that you can bring in a franchise caliber player, like a Carlos Correa or Trevor story. Um, now from what kind of said earlier this season, when we talked to him, he said that he's willing to give up the position. If he believes that the person they're bringing in is a better shortstop than he is, uh, which Correa would make a good argument for that because he's a very good defensive shortstop. Um, yeah, I, where where Connor Falefa slots in, obviously he can play either second base or third base. He's already won a gold glove at third base, so you know he can play there. Then you start thinking about, okay, what happens with Josh Young? What happens with Justin Foskey when he comes up? And those are obviously great problems to have if you're the Rangers. When you have too many good players, uh, that is a problem that fans are going to welcome. Um so any any kind of consideration, you you worry about what, what you have to do with Kiner Falefa after a Correa or a Story agree to sign here. And yes, I will continue to advocate that Carlos Correa not only is a better player than Trevor Story, not only would add the the alpha mentality that to the clubhouse that the Rangers desperately need, uh, but he's also younger, and I think he kind of fits the Rangers window better than a Trevor story would who Trevor story would be 29. He's going to be going into his age 29 season next year. And by the time the Rangers are actually going to be competitive, which I think 23 is the absolute earliest 24 is probably more realistic. He's going to be in his early thirties while Carlos Correa will just be entering his age 30 season. So that's yeah, consider. I think it'll turn into a, uh, Vlad Guerrero situation where everybody hated him until he was a Ranger. And then uh, everyone didn't seem to mind him so much that year he played for Texas. I think if he came here, that same thing would happen with Carlos Correa. 
Yeah. I mean, well, that, that, that was my argument every time, you know, somebody's coming back. Oh, he's a cheater. Like, you know, and, and, you know obviously he's showing the displeasure. He's an Astro. Yeah. You know, the cheating thing I, I get, you know, I, I'm just as upset about the, the cheating thing as, as Rangers fans are, as baseball fans are. I don't want to see cheating in the game. It, it, it ruins the integrity of the game. Uh, it's, it's, it's awful. I don't want to see it. However, I'm also of the, of the opinion that, okay, they've already, especially this season, fans are really getting a chance to, to, to voice their displeasure, to boo them at games. Uh, and even the last time Houston was here, now granted there were a lot of Astros fans in attendance, but even the last time they were, they were here, the booing was not the way it was the first time the Astros came to town. I mean, every time Altuve or Correa came up to the plate, it was just thunderous boos, uh, which now, you know, this last time it was like, there's kind of more scattered boos. Um, so I think, okay, now fans are going to be able to get it out of their system. You know, the league didn't do enough to punish them. So the fans are punishing them now and okay, punishment served. Like it's time to move on. Let's not continue to brand somebody, something, especially if he ends up playing for the team that you cheer for. Uh, because I guarantee you that first time he hits a, he hits a, an upper deck home run in global life field in a Ranger uniform. I, it's going to be, I challenge Rangers fans to boom at that point. <laughs> yeah, I would have to agree with you there. All right. We wrote, or I wrote an article on my website, the Ranger about, and then we talked about it on the podcast. I tried to predict the 2022 roster. And I came up with one for starting pitching that seemed like the Rangers type. And I want to ask you, since you're a professional, if you think I'm crazy or not. So we'll find out. We'll find out tonight whether you think I'm crazy or not. It, it looks like it would fit them perfectly. I have the Rangers going out and getting Chris Archer this offseason. Is that a crazy idea? I wouldn't call it crazy. No. Uh, I mean, listen, this is this would not be the first time the Rangers try to get a guy where you buy a low. I mean, and see, you know, what happens with them. Uh, they've done that with Mike Miner. They did that with Lance Lynn. They did that with, uh, you know, Kyle Gibson. They did that with Jordan Lyles. And, you know, the four guys I just mentioned, three of them really worked out. Um, yeah. you know, Jordan, Jordan Lyles obviously didn't, didn't perform the way he did. He performed more like the way he did in Pittsburgh more than the way he did in Milwaukee. Uh, occasional really good starts. Like, yeah, you get the occasional seven innings, one run, but then you have, you know, instances like, you know, the other day where he just gets lit up, uh, or, or every run that he gives up is on a home run, you know? Um, but no, I don't think that's crazy. Uh, the guys had a past pedigree. Um, the Rangers have also tried, uh, actually, former uh, Ray as well, uh, Matt Moore. They tried that a few years ago. Obviously, yep. that did not work out. Um, you know, it's, it's a buy low situation. Yeah, sure. If it's going to cost you, you know, eight to ten million dollars, I would say no way. Uh, you sign a guy like that for, you know, a couple million bucks. You know, on, on a one year deal. You know, four or five million dollars at the most. I'll take a flyer, see if, see what happens. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know actual value because a lot of that is like service time and things like that. And I don't have yeah. all that in front of me, but, um, but yeah, you take a low risk flyer on them. Sure. That's not, that's not crazy at all. I, I think the, I think the Rangers would be better, better, would be better off trying to get maybe a little bit more of an established guy, um, to really help lead a crop of young pitching, to really you know, be a guy who can not only perform on the mound, but be somebody who is willing to 
allow his brain to be picked by all of these young guys that are about to be coming up. You guys who are, who are here recently, who are in, here now, like Glenn Otto and AJ Alexi. And then next year, when you see uh, Cole Wynn at some point, maybe Jack Leiter near the end of the season. But, you know, either way, you have, there's a whole crop of young pitching coming up and having a, a, a more established guy. Not necessarily like a, an, a legitimate ace or you know top you know top tier free agent pitcher, but maybe a guy who might be a little bit more expensive that you can sign to a three year deal or something like that. I think that would better serve the Rangers. But going after a low risk guy like Chris Archer, no, not bad at all. Especially if if he can help eat innings because the Rangers are going to need help with that next year too. Amen to that. Uh, so let's let's switch it over to Leody Tavares. Uh, I, I've I've mentioned all year long that the guy that we've seen this year throughout the year pretty much and has is not the guy that I saw when I was covering and when I covered him a few times in, in double a with Frisco he he didn't look the same just the way his mannerisms were his body language and all that and I, I said the other night that if he gets comfortable if he just starts looking and feeling comfortable and you can tell just you can tell his body language tells a lot and he's starting to have some good pep to his step and he's starting to hit and he's starting to do all those things that we've all heard about. And, and some of us have luckily been able to see in person is he can be an absolute game changer. So does it look like he's turning that corner? I know we can see enough. We can see some just enough on TV to say he is, but you're closer to it. So what do you, what do you think about Laoti? So we, we've had uh, some really good opportunities to ask Chris Woodward about about the situation because it was after a game where he was struggling and I asked Chris Woodward, you know, what's going on? What, what's going on with Leoti? And and he was just talking about like, he's kind of, he's in between. He's not swinging with conviction. Um, he's just, you know, just kind of that whole kind of the same things that you were kind of seeing like Nick Solak, you know, struggle with earlier in the season, like almost like he's just trying to do too much. He's in his own head. And then he had the one night let off with the double uh next at bat was a home run i mean like all of a sudden you're like okay maybe the damn broke like and i, th- I even asked him that after the game and he's like that's just baseball you know all of a sudden you, you're you've been trying so hard to do things all of a sudden now balls are falling or you're hitting balls hard and they're they're falling for bases instead of being robbed uh and he's saying like maybe you sleep a little bit a little bit better at night food tastes a little bit better you get up the next day you go to the ballpark with confidence instead of uh continuing to press and that changes your entire uh psyche your mentality uh just throughout your entire day um so yeah i mean obviously success will help with stuff like that um and yeah when when you see like games like like that where he hits a double and hits a home run and then you see what he does on the bases where even though he might not get a hit but if he gets on base okay i'm gonna steal second base then i'm gonna steal third base in the same inning like that that's yeah he's he's a game changer he has the ability to be a game changer, absolutely. And the only question with Leoti is going to be, can he hit consistently where he can... Because if he hits consistently with the type of hitter that he is, he should be able to hit between 30 and 40 doubles in an entire season just because of his speed and how he hits the ball and flirt with 20 home runs. Uh, just That's the type of hitter that he is. And then he'll, he'll, steal, he'll steal between 30 and 40 bases. Um, you know, that, that's a, that's a, that's an impact player, um, uh, especially one that, and, you know, playing a premium position in center field, the, just, it, can he, can, can he find that, the ability to stay consistent, to grind out at bats and to not try to press too hard whenever things aren't going your way. That's going to be the, the biggest challenge with, uh, with the Thanks for listening to the Ranger report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, 
and at theRangerReport.com.